Hey, James. Hi. Oh, hello. Hello, Steve. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. How are we doing with the technology? Is it beating the life out of us again? Uh, no, I think I've got it sorted. I think we're uh, we're all set. Fantastic. Are we live then? We are live indeed. First time ever as well. You know, it's quite a moment. I'm pretty sure they said the same about when they launched Top of the Pops. It'll never work, but I'm sure we will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, why don't you tell me more about you, Steve? We'll start with you. Let them, let the, let the listeners, the kind listeners, know who you are and what a great guy you are. How long do we have, Jamie? Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Actually, <laughs> we might need a we might need a series. But anyway, yeah, let's go. Speed that I'm only allowed to waffle on for a certain amount. <laughs> okay, Jamie, thanks for that. Uh, my name is Stephen Moody, otherwise known as Coach Steve of Smart Endurance Solutions fame. I've have been into co into triathlon for over twenty years. Um, I really enjoyed it. Marathon background. Um, built up from sprint Olympic to Ironman distance. Um, good without being ever winning too much cash out of it. Um, got into training and uh, got a coaching kind of um, what you call it, fifteen years ago when our coach left and uh, the guy said you're into the sun. You need to ask all the questions. You all know have all the tech. And I said cool. And I've since managed to grow my coaching business to the point where I left my very boring mundane job as an it consultant sorry to all my previous colleagues it was boring it was mundane but you guys are great um, and now i run my own coaching business called smart endurance solutions.com um, so that's me and i just love to help out age groupers of all levels and all the rest and um, jamie a bit about yourself actually can't all be about me oh, well, yeah um, i mean so i I did my first triathlon, I think it was 2001 or 2000, one of those, so I can't quite remember. Started with a sprint like most people. Um, prior to that, done a, a fair bit of running. Uh, I used to row, uh, so all sort of endurance-based stuff. Um, I was quite good at swimming as a kid, so got into that, although I was always kind of overweight as a kid, so a bit of an interest in nutrition. But, yeah, training, I guess, was uh, my first love. Um, and... Yeah, it was like Steve, it was a hobby. Um, and as time went on, um, I got more and more interested in, in nutrition um, alongside the training stuff. And that was probably partly born out of my own sort of struggles with it as a, as a kid and young adult, at being overweight mainly. Um, and so, yeah, started looking more into that. I had a proper job like Steve, um, decided I'd retrain. So, studies uh, formally for nutrition um, and then set up my business uh, NutriTry in about I think it was about 2014 something like that so it's been going about seven years and it's, it started off face to face and then moved more into online stuff just working with triathletes um, and, and all over the world which is obviously like a pretty bit of a, um, a symptom of modern day life wouldn't have been doing it 10 years ago even so yeah I'm really grateful that I'm able to do it in this day and age and yes yeah, a very brief synopsis about how I got there um without without boring people too much but yeah I must admit I, I'm, I'm jealous to hear anybody who says that they're uh, good that they're good at swimming or we're good at swimming it's always my constant challenge I'm, I'm, a, I'm a runner um but and then I splash around I try to chase people on the bike and everyone's so we must we must arrange a swimming contest at some point Jamie to see who's the the top dog there yeah well uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it's me steve might as well just give me give me that one 
Um, it's funny though, actually, because like I I remember um, my dad was quite good at swimming. Like my dad's always been a bit a bit porky, and um, he I think I was like overweight as a kid, and he was like you know he was quite good at swimming, and he basically taught me how to swim, um, and and then obviously like I, I nailed down the basics like pretty well, um, and then obviously when you start. Uh, competing and you look into it in more detail you know I, I did get better but I think I mean the thing with swimming people often say isn't it it's kind of like being confident in the water comfortable um, and, and interestingly you know you can be really good in a pool and then you get into a bloody lake and it's a different story again but yeah going going off on one but there you go no no I, I completely agree with you um, as I said I, uh, funnily enough I'm actually better in open water than I am in the pool so yeah. it always shocks people and then um, just in terms of how myself and, and, and Jamie met, actually, just again, just how this all, the this new podcast arose, um, I was looking for nutrition advice, and um, one of my friends had been using Jamie and recommended him, and it was a couple of years back, and um, as I said, <laughs> I'm good at these, but I'm also very good at eating my body weight in Ben and Jerry. <laughs> um, so I, I approached Jamie, and I um, we worked with him, I was for... York, I believe, and um, Jamie did help me get my, myself down to my race weight, uh, which I had in my head. And again, it's, uh, that's a whole new topic in itself about what is race weight and um, possibly another topic for another podcast. Let's note yeah. that. Um, so, and but over the time, I found uh, Jamie very easy to talk to. Um, we Again, we've similar senses of humor with a good and a bad thing, possibly. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So that's why this this is where the the genesis of the podcast came. So look, uh, he was we were sharing ideas over back and forth over WhatsApp and email, and said, you know what, let's we could do a podcast. So, and um, that's how this has got together. Um, I, I don't know if you've any other thoughts on how this. That's how it worked out in my head, Jamie. How did <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it. I mean Steve sort of contacted me, but then you know obviously and, and, and interestingly, I get you know I've worked with quite a few coaches, um, and it's always an interest to me because you know coaching whether it's nutrition triathlon anything for that matter you know there's certain things which are kind of um themes if you like which run across it and it's really useful to to talk to other coaches and learn from other coaches and yeah while steve contacted me then we got to know each other and you, you know you you get new ideas and you learn stuff from each other and that's all about our own development so yeah we found we got on pretty well and it was a good good chance to build our own knowledge and and develop as coaches basically yeah no absolutely and i think also that's something when people talk to me, like they, uh, like as I said, I'm known as a coach throughout Ireland, but like when people find out I have a coach or I have a nutritionist, they go like, but hang on, isn't that your job? But I, I also am very aware that I'm very good at certain things and there's people who are better at other things than I am. Nutrition advice, for example, with Jamie. And I think if you're, if you're open-minded, you can, can sit like, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't, I can't know everything. Um, and that's why, you know, I benefit from like, talking to the likes of Jamie and my own coach that they, um, you're always getting new ideas and go, actually, I haven't tried that. And then you try something and it works. And again, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, I put something on, on Facebook or something on Instagram the other day. And um, it was about basically saying that thing that, you know, we all need help with certain things. And this guy commented saying, yeah, you know, if you, if you, if you've got a bad tooth, you go to the dentist, you don't try and fix it yourself. And, you know, very true. 
Um, <laughs> certainly in this day and age, you maybe go back 100 years and people would have done it themselves or they've got the mate to do it in the, in the pub after a couple of whiskeys. But, you know, nowadays you go and you pay someone who knows how to sort your teeth out to fix them for you. And it's the same with your training, your nutrition. And we live in that age where, you know, we, we've got the luxury again to sort of hire people um, who know more than us. And, and I've always seen it as a bit of a shortcut. You know, you can try and do it yourself. And if you do, you know, which we all have at times, you know, what you tend to do is spend a lot more time getting it wrong. Whereas when you get somebody who's already got that knowledge, it's a shortcut to getting the results you want, basically. Absolutely. And I, I hope that Yvonne, the long-suffering girlfriend, does listen to this podcast. She suffer for this comment. But I've always tried to make that same point about when it comes to DIY. As if, <laughs> why don't you try to do that painting? Why don't you try to fix that? No, because I make a terrible job of it. And then, But we wouldn't be better off if we paid someone who knows what they're doing to do the painting and we'll all be happy and I can do stuff that I'm good at in the background. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so expertise is good. Uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So on the... On the expertise myself and jamie um because of time of year it's in it we're kind of we're kicking around some ideas about what we should our first podcast should be and the time of year look we're coming into christmas people are coming out of off season uh people are looking forward to 2022 which fingers crossed will be a, a bumper packed series uh race series and uh, and challenges and um, we thought um uh, so that's what we're gonna talk about there Thoughts on that, Jamie? Still, still think it's a good idea? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think most people are, you know, spend. Uh, I think, I think it might be used to be called like dreaming season, you know, kind of mm. November, December time, sort of thinking about the year to come. Certainly in the northern hemisphere, um, and, and what that year is going to bring, and especially perhaps after some of the disappointments. I think most people probably got back to training and racing last year, but perhaps not everybody. And and whilst things at the moment are a little bit iffy with with covid he would like to think 2022 is going to be a much better year than 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 last year and certainly the year before so yeah it's a great time to set those goals out and, and get ready yeah no, absolutely I, yeah we do call it dreaming season in smart endurance um because typically what's happening at this time of year you've you've gotten through your challenge hopefully you've done well and you've had a bit of off season the batteries recharged and then you kind of look back and you go oh I could have gone faster there or, oh, could I step up to this distance? And again, you spend around a month kicking around ideas. And by the way, you should always discuss this with your partner before you sign up. But we really, and um, then it's a of what, what is going, what is 2022 going to look for, look like for me? Um, what I really want it to be. Um, so that's it. That's where we come to the point where what's the best way to kind of plan out your season and set a goal that's achievable um and again we're going to talk a little bit about a, a different kind of model and approach on that um in terms of the people that reach out to yourself jamie what what typical sort of um uh, nutrition wise and coaching wise what do you, you hear from your athletes touching base with you around this time of year yeah well i mean i think the obvious thing is i mean it, it i think often when people think about nutrition they think it's all about weight loss and it certainly isn't um but at this time of year, perhaps, especially as we go into the new year, it is a little bit more focused on that. And that's for obvious reasons. Um, either coming off a period of maybe less training or maybe just going nuts over Christmas. Um, but I think, generally speaking, there's, there's three things. this sort of body composition, um, and not necessarily in this order. There's fueling um, for training, making sure you're going into sessions well-fueled. 
and then there's recovery from those sessions and they're all kind of interlinked um and good nutrition will essentially probably improve all three unless you're already very lean in which case you're probably not bothered about the body composition element um but yeah they're the sort of three topics fuel and recovery yeah no. obviously it's not a it's not a sport where look but i think as human beings um you, you know we're all kind of interested in how we look and you know inherently makes us feel better and like you know, and if we feel better, often we perform better as well, actually, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, in, ter- in terms of, uh, I, for me, when I, um, I, I have to laugh, as, an, as much as I say I left my corporate roots behind and the rat race, there's always certain things that have stuck with me. Um, one thing is, the biggest thing I always thought was funny was in the corporate world, it's all these anachronisms, you know, WIP, WFM, ASAP, WT, but all these anachronisms, that a lot of people never know what they are. But the one anachronism that is t- I've taken from the corporate world into my coaching world, because it does make sense, is an acronym called SMART. And um, this is how I help people talk a little bit about their kind of uh, their goal setting when they come to me. There's part of my one to one squad, or they're looking for a plan. Um, and SMART, essentially, again, every single person in the corporate world knows this, but I'm going to go through it again. The, it stands for uh, specific, measurable, achievable, um, realistic, and time-bound. That is the one I used. And again, this is how I get people to think about their, their, their goals uh, for next year. Um, and essentially... Uh, it just helps, it gives you a model to kind of think about the the goals and how you actually pull them together. Have you come across SMART in your coaching or your goals? Or have you used that before, Jamie? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something like certainly uh, when I first started um, was was the model which which you use to kind of determine the best plan for somebody, basically. Yeah, um, and I, I think I do it now, perhaps without the same um level of rigidity but like when i assess somebody for example um you know again part of the part of that process is to fill out a form and in there they'll tell me their goals um we'll take measurables um you, you know if someone comes to me and they're you know they, they need to lose 10 stone and they want to do it in six weeks then obviously that's not achievable uh or realistic and then we usually set a time scale so yeah you do it all as, as part of it and perhaps actually it's interesting to sort of revisit it as a coach because you almost forget that that's what you do <laughs> but that is exactly what you do no agreed and it it's something that i use as i said as um just to keep myself a little bit on track and it like and again as jane was saying there in terms of the, the goal needs to be specific i get people coming to me look i want to become a faster triathlete and you like, okay what distance is that at is it sprint is it olympic or is it a running challenge you want so you have to kind of this we all want to get better at things but you need to be kind of um very kind of zone in on something because you can't get better at everything um the measurable is like it has to be something that you know you can be aware of um for for triathletes typically it's either going to be a time or it's going to be a, an age group position or it's going to be a first time you actually complete a distance achievable will be someone who has never swam before and then says they want to swim the channel in in three months time yeah. 
Cup, whereas Stumbling says they want to do a sprint triathlon and they want to do it in uh, three to six months. Absolutely, with the right plan, the right approach. Um, realistic, again, is going to fit into that. As I said, your, your realism comes from what's your starting point? And as I said, if, have you come from zero athletic background and you're, going to look, you're almost looking at a couch of 5K? And you're talking about an Ironman? No, no, no. But And again, the, a coach or a good experienced athlete will be able to help you with that. And then time bound is just, we can all set a goal, but if it keeps rolling and you go like, yeah, no, I want to do an Ironman. And you say that in 2010 and each year it moves and moves. Yeah, the goal's still there, but you're, you're never getting closer to it because you keep on bumping it the next year. Yeah. And, and, and do you think that's why people enter races, Steve? Because it sort of like gives you that kind of, that time bound kind of thing to focus on oh absolutely and, and there's nothing that does uh, focus the the mind and the attention span as a looming date in either training peaks or your calendar and also the, the large deduction from or, or the deduction from your credit card so yeah, yeah. absolutely um and in terms of yourself there jamie like of those uh items of the specifically measurable this time about what what do you find the as a most important for yours or, or is there any are they all equally important i think the the, the specific goal is important uh, so i get people to kind of rate it one to seven like for example is it you know improved endurance uh, you know fat loss etc etc um so that's really important to have that specific goal no question um I, i'm a big fan of measuring stuff um you know so for, for example from a nutritional perspective obviously weight is something that we measure whether it's weight loss is a, a goal or not it's a good way of knowing whether you're fueling right um taking measurements of the body otherwise with like a tape measure etc um i think achievable goals i'm a bit funny about achievable because it's sort of realistic as well because i sometimes think we can sort of limit ourselves a little bit mm. um but having said all of that like like you just said there's no point in saying I want to swim the channel in three months if you can't do a length in a swimming pool. So it, you, I think it's, it, it, it is clearly relevant. Um, and I think setting a time on it, it really focuses things. And especially again with nutrition. I mean, I, I usually work with people for like a minimum of 12 weeks to kind of, so we know that for that 12 weeks, you, you're really focused and doing what, like, like it's an important part of your life. It's a focus in your life. And, and also then what hopefully happens is during those 12 weeks, you, you develop, some really good habits so perhaps whilst it has been like a hard or maybe sort of like in that 12 weeks you've had to work at doing some new stuff after those 12 weeks you don't have to work as hard because you've kind of made it more more habitual so having that time frame i think is 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 definitely useful so in a nutshell yes <laughs> smart smart all of them are quite important i must i must admit i picked up on that as well the when you talk about measurable and um, when i was working with you i i the fact that you moved away just from a sole figure like most people fixate on like a, a weight element which is wrong uh but what i liked about your approach is you get us measuring um whatever uh bicep size chest size um belly size etc because there's some days where the some of the figures don't tally up but the like for example uh, some days you know you might have done a uh you might have had a bit of held on a bit more water so your your weight doesn't look like it's moved but then you're looking at actually though what my you know my chest size is a bit bigger from it's it's a good way of looking at it a more holistic way the way you approach it and oh, yeah absolutely it's, it's, it's quite interesting actually like this morning i got an email off a guy and i think yesterday he panicked a little bit he jumped on the scales and 
he, this guy's trying to lose a little bit of weight and I think he was 214 pounds, um, which was a bit heavier than he was this time last week. Panicked a little bit, jumped on the scales this morning and, and he's back down to 211. So like I reassured him, said, look, it, it doesn't matter. One standalone weight is irrelevant. It's looking at themes over time with weight, but also then, you know, waist measurements are a really good kind of tracker of progress. So sometimes you might have gone a bit heavier, but then you measure your waist and you're like, oh, my waist's gone down. So actually, you know, you're making good progress. So, yeah, I think having various data to go off. Uh, and it's the same with training, isn't it, Steve? I mean, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to track things, not just, you're not just going to look at the, the, the improvement on a 5K run, for example. You, you'd look at, you know, improvements across the board on the bike and the swim and the whole thing. No, absolutely. And again, like that's, and a lot of my training plans is a there's consistent sessions that pop up. Like for example, I, I tend to use a lot of tempo runs when people are training for an Ironman. And some people go, "Oh, it's a bit boring uh, because it repeats kind of every second week." But then when we're especially with my one to one guys, you can look back and they go, "Oh, I don't think I've really. I'm not. I don't think I'm improving." And then you go, "Okay, well, when you have the data, right? This week you completed ten hours of training. When you came to me, you couldn't complete uh, six your tempo run you're now running 10 kilometer faster, and your heart rate is lower for that effort so it's again it's all the those other data points as you correctly pointed out jamie that they back up the the bigger picture about how you're moving very slowly towards the goal but you are moving and you mentioned trends trends are really important they're not going to go from a to b in a single jump there's all these little mini improvements that happen across different metrics at different times. But if you're generally moving in the right direction, you're getting closer to that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, and that you know, takes into account times when perhaps you don't improve. You know, you get sick or you get injured. Like progress is never 100% linear, sadly. It might be at first, actually, when you first get into something. And that's why it's really easy at first and really motivating. But over time linear progress starts to stop and but then if you look at it as a bigger picture across say the course of a year or whatever and you can see well actually i have improved in that year but there might have been times in that year that you didn't improve you know yeah no and absolutely and it, it also took back into a kind of an offline conversation we've had about it's not the while well, having a goal using something like a smart model to figure, figure out a goal it's actually not um that goal is your north star you're moving towards what's more important and you also mentioned habits there and and kind of routines is the little day-to-day stuff that we do that actually move you towards that goal um, and for me that goal not it doesn't become it shouldn't be an be all and end all it's the reason why you're getting up at whatever seven o'clock in the morning and going for a run rather than getting up at eight o'clock it's the reason why you're 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 eating more greens or you're you're staying away from the chocolate and eating a bit more healthy at night. So the goal focuses you. All the other good stuff underneath it is that that iceberg iceberg really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and he the, again, you mentioned about tracking things. It's about it's again about the consistency, and I think the the training and the nutrition they all and like other elements like recovery rest um hydration all these things they're easier to follow if you've got a very kind of solid thought out goal and and by the way one of the things i probably should add at the end of it to make it smarty the goal should be exciting the goal should actually gonna get you get you up and going said law i'd love to get 
under 12 hours for an Ironman or I'd love to do an Ironman or I'd love to run a marathon. You need to have, because it, it, a lot typically these things will be far away, but you need to sort of go, wow, I talked to Ted, my next door neighbor, and he's forever going on about it. I'd love to be able to do it. Like you need to have that bit of passion there as well. And um, what do you find, Jamie, for your, your guys? How do you keep them focused or how do you get them excited about their goal? Or any tips there? Interesting, like I think you've just said, you know, I think you should be excited for your goal. Meaning, like, there can almost be a little bit of fear as well, you know, and this is, it's sort of kind of a, a fine line between being scared and being excited. But I think if you're looking at achieving something you've never done before, you probably are a little bit scared and, and that sharpens the senses and, and gives you a greater sense of uh, desire, perhaps, to, to, to get on it. Um, and with nutrition, I think it's a little bit different because I think, again, it depends where you're coming at or coming from. So, for example, some people... If they're if they're not happy with the body, for example, in terms of like being a little bit overweight or how it how how they feel when they're running or what have you, it's it, sometimes that that kind of moment of um, decisiveness that they're going to take some action is almost born out of a real sense of emotion um, of maybe you're not being happy, um, and and maybe that's true with the training as well. Maybe there's other things in your life that haven't been where you want to be, and you're looking for something else. I mean, arguably, I suppose everyone who's involved in endurance sport. You know, it's a hobby, isn't it? Like we're, we're fortunate to live in a time where we've got hobbies. And I remember talking to someone some time ago and they were saying, actually, you know, perhaps if, you, if you've got the need to have these hobbies in your life, perhaps you're not, <laughs> perhaps this thing's missing in your life elsewhere. Um, and you could argue that, I think. Uh, so perhaps it's all born, born out of emotion um, and a, a desire to be happier and uh, and to feel good at something and maybe be respected or something like that. I, I think I've gone off topic again, Steve, but, ah, you know, yeah. I, I like our meandering conversation. <laughs> um, we've, well, got, we've got some questions, haven't we, as well? We do indeed. But uh, just on that point, before we move away on it, like uh, I do think that you're, you're right in the sense that um, hobbies, um, they, they do replace things. Like, for example, I was a rugby player when I was a, a kid. So you used to have the team sport element. You used to have, the drinking afterwards and all that sort of messing. But as you grow older, like, you know, you're more responsible. You're not a 20, 20 year old that goes out uh, boozing anymore, but you also need to get that endorphin rush from a good training session. You want to have the sense of competition on the rest of where these hobbies add in. And you're, you're replacing a hobby that's right for your phase in life, I believe, you know? So for me, that's, as I said, um, well, also, I'd like to point out the professional era when I could have made a massive living as a, as a great rugby player just came a little bit too late for me. And um, well, that also when I'm five foot seven, which means I would have got squashed a lot. But whoever, <laughs> my own mind, I was a great rugby player and um, don't talk or previous teammates. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think you're right. That thing about being at the right time. I mean, you look at the demographic of people who do triathlon and I guess it's probably the, the biggest group of people who do it, probably sort of 40s, 50s, I would guess. Um, and that's, yeah, you maybe got your career off the ground, had some kids maybe or not, or and, and then you've got a bit of time back for yourself and maybe also got like an eye on the fact you're getting older and you don't want to kind of, you know, a bit of a health goal and, and kind of staying healthy for as long as, as we can, basically. Our, our, own, our own mortality becomes more, um, yeah, we're more aware of it, I guess. Yeah, no, that's true. And look, and to my, in the end of the day, it also comes back to the, the goal needs to be exciting. Uh, this is, as you said, it's a hobby. It should be fun. Um, and that's also 
back to the goal being achievable and realistic. Yes, it should stretch you, but it shouldn't become so stressful that you, you're just not enjoying the training or you're not enjoying keeping an eye on your diet and all the rest. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's, again, it, it just ties into, yes, challenge yourself within your limits. Um, but again, it, it's it's meant to be fun. Let's never lose the sight of that point. No, absolutely. And it can become over, overwhelming. I mean, I definitely felt that in the past with training and stuff and, and racing. I've almost put myself under so much pressure that, you, you know, you can lose a bit of uh, fun. And and, it, and again, I guess that's probably, you know, I'm not trying to plug our services too much, but like maybe having an outside voice and an outside set of eyes can sometimes really help with that. If you're feeling like you're putting yourself under too much pressure, whether it's training, nutrition, whatever it is, yeah, someone to just actually say, well, actually, maybe just need to take a step back, not not give up, you know, just take a step back, do something, focus on something else for a little bit it, within the training um, and, and take the pressure off. Uh, and sometimes that can be a massive relief. No, agreed. And again, there's, and there's the element of make, it can be more difficult if you try to figure it out all for yourself. Whereas, as you said, there's ex- experts like myself and yourself who can actually take that away from you and say, look, let, let's, we and and I know for myself, I'm uh, and off working with you. I try to inject a bit of fun in it. Um, it's it's not all a, a be all. None of us are going to make a living out of this in terms of prize bonds, prize uh, purses, etc. So, and a really good example is that last year she came to me and she was a bit uptight about the whole racing thing. And again, I used to uh, I'd give her the structure and all the rest, and I'd I'd, I'd have fun with her on the the train comments and the what's happening and make her laugh a little bit herself as a result she ended up racing a lot more relaxed and she ended up like ended up getting um a number of people um but again it's just again reminding someone that the the sport is meant to be fun it is our hobby um relax enjoy trust in the process the outcomes will will arrive at as a result absolutely 100% agree um, actually, you're right. Now we move on to. We do have some questions. Um, do you want to kick off, or will I, Jamie? Yeah, I'll go first. I reckon get get one out the get one out of the way under the belt. Um, so this is a this is a question from Steve Jameson. Jameson as well, Steve. That's that's a, a nice Irish uh, whiskey, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, anyway, he's not from Ireland. He's from Indiana, uh, of all places. So um, basically, what Steve's asked me is. Um, does he need different nutrition for different training blocks? Um, which is an interesting question. And, and the answer in short is, is generally yes. Um, but what those differences are, um, are not necessarily that significantly different. Um, like good nutrition is sort of formed on the foundations of some very simple things. Um, one being eating, one eating, you know, lots of whole foods, lots of nutritious foods, uh, you know, fruits, vegetables, all the things we already know. Um, so the things that change as you go into different blocks of training are probably the amounts that you eat. Um, people often think when they're in like a base training phase, they're doing a huge volume or bigger volume. They might need to eat more calories. And, and sometimes that's not the case. You can actually get away with a little bit less despite training volume being quite high but intensity is obviously lower um and then as intensity goes up volume might go down but actually sometimes calories need to go up with that and it can work the other way around as well depending on the person and depending on the experience of that person 
But calories are certainly something which will likely change throughout the year. Um, and then also kind of the sort of calories that you're getting. Um, so sometimes when you're training at higher volume, lower intensity, you're perhaps going to focus a little bit more on having slightly less carbohydrate in your diet. Um, and then as intensity goes up, you'll have slightly more carbohydrate in your diet. So, and, and this is where measurables are really important because if you don't know how many calories you're having now or how much of those calories are protein, carbs or fats, it's really difficult to then make those adjustments. Um, so we need a good baseline to start from in order to then make those changes that are relevant to the different blocks of training you're in, basically. And how do you get your guys to rec- I know it's a bit of a cheat because I know the answer, but like, how do you? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's various apps that are out there. I mean, I, mean, I tend to use my fitness pal, the free version. People use other ones as well. But basically, you know, that I'd say my fitness pal is the best just because it's the most well used. So it's got the biggest database of food. Tracking calories, I should say, and it is never 100% accurate. Um, but it's a really good guide. And, and that's, um, and it's a much, much better guide than not doing it at all. Um, and unless you're very experienced, so for example, me, you know, I will go periods where I don't track calories because I know what's pretty much in everything anyway. But unless you do know that, it's worth doing it. Yeah, it also comes back to a previous point you, you mentioned about watching trends and stuff like that. As yeah. a, for me, that uh, and I found it difficult enough to track the calories just because it, it just seemed another thing I had to do. But I suddenly got into it. I was going like, and I was scanning things. I was going like trying to wait. I went, oh, okay. And then it's a case of, yeah, over time, the calories I had been consuming was coming down on an average strength. And then also, uh, no surprise, but the, the weight and the, the other metrics moving in the right directions that I wanted them to as well. Anyways, it's that mindset and it's the tracking. It is. And it's the same with training. I mean, I often say to people like, you know, when you first start training, you might not follow the plan. You know, they might just you might just decide you're going out for a run and you might run a local, you know, three-mile loop or whatever. Um, and you do that and gradually you get better. But if you can't just keep doing the three-mile loop, if you want to get better, so you start looking for other things and then you get a plan or you get a coach or whatever, you might start with a free plan, then you buy a plan, then you get a coach. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an evolution, really. Um, and it's the same with nutrition, the difference being perhaps that we've all ate <laughs> pretty much throughout our lives but perhaps when we're at different stages of life we decide we're going to pay more attention to it especially if you've got performance as a goal you know because it is obviously a really big part of it no absolutely um good answer there okay steve you you've got you got some questions yourself i do indeed this is from john from galway um just completed my first year in triathlon loved it completely hooked um what, I did a couple of sprints, found myself getting fast towards end. What now to push on? Um, well, John, again, this uh, it's a case of, I'll use the model here now, I'm going to cheat and give me structure, um, but we'll also start backwards. Well, what would get you excited? Would, that now that you've got a benchmark in the, the sprints, is, is that would you get faster? Would you like to cli- climb higher up your age group podium, etc.? And being from Galway, by the way, it means that he has the option of national series races where you actually see where you are relative to other triathletes in, at the end of the year. It's almost like a big league table. Have a look where you finished there, John. Maybe you could move up there. Um, but again, also back to the, the specific element, 
do you want to move up a distance? Do you want to go to Olympic? Do you, um, half Ironman? Again, by the way, hold off, going straight to Ironman. Enjoy your time at the lower distances. Um, the And again, once you have that as a starting point, um, look at it. Okay, I've never done an Olympic. It makes me, and as Jamie said, slightly slightly fearful, but excited. So maybe I'll do that. Yep. The idea of actually trying to go under one hour 30 for a sprint. John didn't tell me any of his time, so I don't know what he was, but or take 10 minutes off my uh, my time on the bike and a sprint on a sprint triathlon again. That comes back to being measurable and achievable. Again, you'll know when you're looking at your results. Typically, I find after you, you bed down and you've learned a lot of the kind of big learnings, swim in a wetsuit, how to transition, etc., you're looking at an average 10 and 15 percent through year on year. You have there's a real big weakness, and you kind of can bounce up twenty percent. Again, also depends on the level of coaching or training you're getting, and um, and in terms of the times, look at the the triathlon Ireland uh, race calendars out, and I'm pretty sure it's been the same for other. Uh, hello to our Southern Hemisphere friends too. That the um look at pick a race, and as as Jamie said, nothing else focuses someone when you have a race date in the diary and then that's your time band so i hope that makes sense john if you, have, if you want to ping me on a couple of suggestions or emails i can help you focus a little bit on it in terms of but again put it out in what's going to be your, your smart elements s m a or t and then we'll, we'll focus on and hopefully get you in the right direction so, so steve just to pick on something you said then so you're saying like improvements year on year looking at sort of like 10 to 15 percent on times Yes. I mean, and, and some, I mean, that to me sounds like, so, so if you think, right, so, so I don't know, my, my, my maths might let me down now, but so say, say uh, John did his first sprint in two hours, so 120 minutes, a 10% improvement would be like a 12 minute improvement. Um, and I think sometimes people might look at that and think, oh, it's not that much. But 10% is, I would say is like really good, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's born out or kind of seeing people I've worked with, I get people, and that's why I come back to the what achievable, realistic, and people they say, listen, okay, I did my first um, whatever marathon of four hours, now to go under three hours, and you go, oh, but it's also you just go look, okay, but that would represent a twenty five percent improvement over one of the harder kind of standalone races, and you go, listen, how about we work about this way? I can, you know, we can probably take a chunk of. 25 minutes off that PB year one, 25 minutes off the, or 20 minutes off year two. And then the next year we're looking at pushing under three hours. It's almost getting that longer term roadmap, but hand up. I have been completely proven wrong in this. Like guys have taken massive chunks off their time. um, But they're the except the uh, the outliers. It, It tends to be once you get a bit focused and you're training and you're looking at, negating your weaknesses and building up your strengths people can get up to 10 15 and 20 percent isn't unrealistic but uh but they're the kind of benchmarks and if you look at that as a longer roadmap it's if you can do achieve that year here you are getting very strong yeah absolutely and, and i guess like <clears throat> the first year like you said you might get slightly more improvements and, and the second year slightly less but again as long as you trended in the right direction you know, if we were all improving 10% a year 
for the next 10 years, that would be a, a huge improvement and one we'd all look back on and think, wow, look where I've come from. So being patient is key, isn't it? Absolutely. And also you're right again. And I think that's something that triathletes tend to forget. There is an element of, and it's also something that should form part of your goal setting, is the retrospective, kind of what did I achieve last year and where did I come from, as I said. And it is like you, 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 you're you, getting guys to run, um, was it like a sub 50 minute 10K, whereas beforehand they couldn't run under, well, like under 70 minutes. You have to remind them, remember, it was only last year you couldn't go under 70 minutes now you're under 50 minutes and and you're annoyed because you didn't get under 48 yeah these are very very demanding people um <laughs> a, a little bit of patience overall slowly get the pay uh chipping away at the goals yeah definitely 100 percent. all right um stuff there john amy Ooh. Okay. hello <laughs> so um i've Go got away. another i've got another Another question here from uh, from uh, Judy. I don't know where she's from. I don't know her second name. Um, but she's put, this is a bit of a vague one, but is there a best diet for triathlon? Um, uh, and like you could answer this in many different ways. And one of the ways you'll see it answered is people saying there is no best diet, but there is a best diet for you. Um, and, I, and I think, to be fair, that that is true. Um you know, there's all sorts of diets which are labelled these days, you know, whether it's keto, veganism, whatever you want to, you know, all sorts out there. And I don't think there is a best diet um, in short, um, but there is definitely a best diet for you. How do you find out what that is? You can experiment, you can try stuff. Um, I would avoid or, or I would um, not recommend removing huge food groups unless you've got any sort of religious or ethical reasons to. I think you want a diet which is rich in as many nutrients as possible. Um, and, and I'd include into that things like alcohol, you know, assuming you like you know, to drink, you don't need to remove it. Um, it's all about, as boring as it sounds, moderating it. Um, and for some people, perhaps you can't moderate it, in which case you do remove it. But if you, if you look for moderation, you won't go far wrong. So that is the best diet, a moderate one. And if you don't know how to do that yourself, then find someone who can help you, basically. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And again, it's something I picked up from you. Um, it's just a case of even slowly integrating the right foods in and replacing the bad food. And we all know the bad food. Yeah. The, the double cheeseburger fries, we know it's not <laughs> faster than an Iron Man, but it's very tempting as opposed to, you know, a nice tasty salad that takes a bit of time to prepare, but you feel much better afterwards. And it, it's, yeah, but at the same time, it, it doesn't mean I'm never going to, bring a cheeseburger out again as in like we've got a long um but as you said slowly integrating that in isn't it absolutely that is slowly changing habits slowly changing is it it's more it's the old marginal gains thing you know you, you don't need to throw everything at it at once so certainly with things certainly with nutrition because you know a lot of the foods we eat we eat through kind of through habits we form that's a bit behavioral and uh, we do it for comfort we do it to make us happy um and there's no shame in any of that. Um, so you want to kind of keep those things in your diet, but perhaps it's just about like changing how much you've used. Like you say, you have the, the, the less good options and try and have slightly more of the good options. And depending on where you're starting from, that can look very different for different people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all righty. Question now from Jane from Chicago. Yay, go Bears. <laughs> how do I know that I'm keeping on track for my big goal 
I have set myself an Ironman. I was a sorry, uh, yeah, an Ironman target of under forty nine. On the day, a couple of things went wrong, and I actually only came in in fifteen hours. How how should I've known that it was going off track? Um, now for me, as I said, the by the way, an Ironman is is there's so many things can go wrong, and, and that I wouldn't be harsh on yourself. So a sub fifteen hour time is, is good. Also depends on the course, and but in terms of your wider question, it opens up a bigger topic. Um, as I said, your goal is your north star, right? But along those way, along those that moving towards the north star, it's very helpful if you have um, little checkpoints because if if your north star is nine months away, which a typical Ironman training plan, you don't want to be second guessing yourself three months in and go like i don't know i'm you know if i'm anywhere getting close to and the key with that is as jamie's alluded to beforehand is keeping track of metrics um and also having um kind of little milestones or tests as you go through like jamie's metrics may be again like the the body composition the measurements etc that you have to submit um and also from my point of view it will be training load or kind of the distance of your long ride or your long bike again for Ironman people. And then in my training plans as well, I have kind of regular kind of FTP or functional threshold uh, plan, uh, threshold power tests and run and swim tests that not only sort of go, okay, well then you have something to compare with like every kind of six to eight weeks and you go, okay, I'm actually now 20 Watts higher for a race things are moving in the right direction and and another really good option is have b races in your um in your plan so again particularly in an ironman year have all your eggs in one basket and like as i said something can go wrong but if you've had a couple of b races a half ironman a half marathon an olympic distance and you pb in those races that's you know you know you're getting there you know you're improving um and even if something does go wrong, achieving your North Star, you're 90% there, but something goes wrong, you have a mechanical, you've, you've already racked up a, a good positive vibes for that season. But just yourself, Jamie, how do, you, how do you keep yourself on track? Yeah, I was just going to say, Steve, just before I go into that, I mean, I think like, so, so would you say that then through, essentially through the training plan, you should pretty much know what sort of time you should be finishing an event in advance of doing it, all things being equal, assuming you don't get ill, injured, or it's horrific weather or something like that. Yes, yes, and no. Again, <laughs> because it's again, it's that point where you can only can control the controllables. So yes, if you get to turn up and no, no mechanicals and you've you've tapered okay, like for my one to one guys, I typically draw up a race strategy document where you go and you go look okay, you're running um, five kilometers at this heart rate in the zone. We in our long runs, we've done this, so therefore you're going to be able to. If we fuel right, if we hydrate right, we should be able to hold this for the 42k. Um, and yes, if without any barring any disasters, that you can get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's the thing for me. Like, I think you gain confidence in your body through the training that you do. Um, and perhaps the same goes with the, with the sort of nutrition that you, you try things in training. 
you know, so one of the, obviously I, I work with people who come to me because they've had a, a disaster, as you just pointed out, in, in an Ironman often. And nutritionally, they've either suffered from cramps or stomach issues or they've just completely ran out of steam. Um, and, and they acknowledge that their nutrition was badly thought out and as such, they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, so it, it's controlling the things you can control. There's obviously things you can't control. Uh, I think one of the most frustrating things leading up to a race can be can be getting a cold or something like that, you know, especially like you've said, when you've got all your eggs in one basket, the week before you get a bit of a sore throat and you're going into an Ironman knowing that you're not going to be your best is not not a good place to be. No, no, and you're, you're right as well. Like the and the nutrition, as I said, if you get it wrong in the day, you underfuel, you're gonna bonk. If you overfuel or take the wrong wrong items, you're gonna get GI issues. And again, that's that scuppers everything. It's it, it screwed a couple of Ironmen for me, to be honest. Um, yeah. And it, it's even like you, how much hydration you take on board. Like you need to have thought this these out um, and practice them beforehand. Um, and, okay. and I think, as, as, especially as well, like you know, if you if you're going into a different climate, you know, like where we live in, in you know, you're in Ireland, I'm in England. The weather's rarely hot, um, so you don't get the opportunity to perhaps practice that. You might go to a training camp and get the chance to try it, but essentially, if you're then going to go and race in Dubai or something, you know, you've got to have a very different strategy than if you were racing in Bolton. You know, I, I have to have a, a funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when you when you say this now, this is when I was starting off my um my triathlon career, and uh, I, I qualified to try to race the worlds in Vegas, so I knew Vegas was going to be hot. And I asked around, I did some Google searching, and I said, you know, try to simulate it. So I had my turbo trainer set up in my pain uh, cave, and I had, and this is in the summer, and I had two heaters right beside me, and I had a heater in front of the TV when I was watching, and that's it. This is even before the advent of Zwift, and I'm, I'm revealing my age here. That uh, and I, was, I think I was watching The Incredibles from Pixar. I love their movies, and um, and it was roasting. And I had the, my winter stuff on, and I was essentially just trying to make the heat. <laughs> <laughs> As I was slowly melting on my bike, I noticed that at the top of my TV, a small flame had started. <laughs> oh my and, God. and I wasn't in the room. The TV had gone on fire. And if you ever think it's difficult getting out of your cleats when you're coming into T two. It's much more difficult when you're surrounded by heaters and you're trying to save your house going on fire. I'd like to report that. Jesus, Steve, that, that is taking it to the extremes, isn't it? Not just, you know, not just getting triathlon ready, taking his taking his life into his own hands. <laughs> brilliant. That is a brilliant story. Um, question. Yeah. Jamie? Sorry, I, I just lost you there. Sorry, Steve, say that again. Another question there? Yeah, yeah, last question, yeah. So, I mean, this is... Uh, this is a, a relevant one, I guess. Um, so this one's from, uh, let me just see. So it's from Chris Blair and basically asking whether you should start a new diet when you start a new training plan. And um, so qu quite topical again, I suspect going into the, into January, people are perhaps going to start a new block of training or maybe even a new plan or maybe even starting working with a new coach. And is that a good time to start a new diet? Um well, I mean, I guess really what what it probably is and it isn't. It depends. Um, if you're doing it, what what people would normally do is they start a new training plan, which would be all guns blazing, and they'd start a new diet, which would be ridiculously low in calories, um, and they'd do it for two weeks, and then 
give up because it'd be too hard. So that is definitely not a good idea. If you're starting a well-thought-out training plan with a well-thought-out nutrition plan at the same time, then I think that's a great idea because you're probably going to get, you know, really good gains in a really, you know, relatively short period of time. But don't fall into the mistake of exiting Christmas feeling really motivated um, and hitting it with, you know, all guns blazing, new training plan, training twice a day and trying to do it on a thousand calories a day because that will definitely not work. And do you find then, it, is it is that a case of it's just too stressful to, um, the, in terms of the calorie intake is just too uh, too low, or it's the additional work trying to figure out what to eat on top of then you're trying to embed in training habits, or what, what what's the overwhelming factor? I think it's the, the calories. I mean, I think the, the the thing that most people do wrong, um, especially if they're trying to lose a bit of weight, is I mean they basically won't eat enough for a series of days and you know without making generalizations that's usually monday tuesday wednesday thursday um and then they get to friday feel a bit shitty um know they've got a long training session on saturday and then smash the calories in and then what tends to happen is just go way overboard sat probably friday saturday sunday um and then feel guilty come monday and think shit i'm not reaching my goals i better hit it hard again and you go through this cycle and it's week on week, month on month, year on year, doing the same thing. And it, and it kind of, it, what is it, that quote, I can't remember, is it, is it Einstein, I think, who said, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and looking or expecting a different result. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not criticising people who do that because I've done that myself. And there's things I probably still do in my life, which, are, you know, I, I, I do the same things and expect different results. But with nutrition, you know, it, it's it's fundamental that you don't keep making that mistake because you'll never, ever, you know, reach your potential, whether that be in body composition or performance. You know, you have to eat to, to perform. You have to eat to recover. Um, and you've got to just do it in the in the right amounts at the right time, basically. I thought you were going to be criticising Einstein there when you started off. I went, no, no. Oh yeah, Einstein. He didn't know anything, did he? You know, <laughs> just got lucky. <laughs> e equals MC squared. Anyone could have pulled that together. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, no, I agreed. And again, it's uh, it does come down, as you said, uh, to habits and trying to set yourself up for success. And again, that's what I liked about your 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 approach. You kind of gave us suggested meal plans, and they're all simple enough to um, pull together which, <laughs> as I said, Yvonne will testify to because I actually was able to make them and I have very, very low um, tolerance for having to do anything mundane. So, <laughs> but, uh, quick plug yeah. Habits. Is, is a, if people are fine struggling to get the good ha- habits and behaviours in, it's a book by James Clear and it's a very clever book about how you bed in habits and consistencies and all the rest. Like, um. We don't know James, or maybe you do, uh, Jamie. Uh, but if if we do, I just like his book, as it helped me kind of get into routines where I get up in bed and I. I, I listen, we are close on. We're coming to fifty-five minutes. So we're going to have the last question, then we're going to wrap it up. I think. Sorry, just before you go, Steve, on that last question, what was the name of that book again? Oh yes, sorry, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Right there, we go. We got that. All right. Um. All right. Last question. Last question from Tom from New York, and. 
Hi there. Hi, Coach Steve. I've signed up for my, my first ever Ironman, uh, which will also be my first ever triathlon. It's in Cork. I'm excited because I'm, I'm an Irish background. I'm looking forward to uh, tr- trucking it out in the Irish, Irish hills. Um, what would be a good target time? Now, <laughs> why? Uh, okay, uh, Tom, good man. Uh, I do like a challenge, but I'm going to put it back onto a couple of things in terms of this uh, comes back to our achievable and realistic. Um, Ironman is a superb marketing engine, right? Um, and I, I do believe that people can do great things, but I also believe that you have to do it in a kind of structured pro- uh, progress. I always get worried when someone says the first triathlon is going to be an Ironman um, because there's that, lots of key skills you won't understand at that stage, open water swimming, transitions, pacing on the bike, etc. like how to run off a bike. Um, so I tell people, and, and I do get this question a lot, I go, look, don't be sold by the marketing don't rush into doing an Ironman as your first triathlon. Um, but if you do, please, and this also comes back to my answer to, from Jane, build in little milestone checkpoints that like three months out, do a sprint triathlon, two months out, do an Olympic triathlon. Um, and the, the month before, just before you start taping, do, do a 70.3. You'll know where you're at. You'll learn an awful lot. You'll enjoy the experience much more. Um, because I do fear about if people make the mistake that think that Ironman is triathlon and triathlon is Ironman, they're getting it wrong. Triathlon is much more than Ironman. There's sprint distances, uh, Olympic, there's, there's clubs, there's a sense of community. A lot of Ironman stuff tends to be a lot of long solo stuff and you miss out on that. So no, and, and, and back to the final point of the question, it's your first Ironman. You do not give yourself time. You just get to the start line. You get to the finish line. Um, during the training period, training you'll 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 get an idea, but might what might be realistic. But you don't tie yourself with any additional baggage. That if I don't go under twelve hours, for this, it's a failure. Or if you just gotta get out there and getting to the start line is a massive achievement. Avoiding burnout, avoiding injury, um, and then. You know, things will go wrong in an Ironman that you we don't even know yet. I've done, I've completed 10 and only three have gone without incidents. And that's mechanicals, GI issues, weather, wind, etc. So I respect the chat, you taking up the challenge, but map it out really clever. Like talk to a coach, talk to your, your club mates or join a club, talk to them, find races, build yourself up slowly and park any ideas of a time your specific measurable achievable realistic time-bound excitable goal is to get to the start line and get to the finish line and also don't drop out of triathlon because you think it's only ironman there's loads more to it mate yeah well, i mean you know what's really interesting to see if you say that like because it is it, it's the marketing machine and i think it's like it's almost like a badge of honor as well isn't it you know that you say i've done an ironman um and you know so for some people they just do one and that's it and what you don't want to do is do one and it'd be such a shit experience <laughs> that you, you can't ever, you don't look back on it fondly for starters and, and perhaps you never want to do another one. You want it to be an enjoyable experience where as much as it can be and, and not just the day, but the build up to it, the training and all of that sort of stuff. 
absolutely and, and that's that's what my fear with this marketing engine i've seen it before i've seen guys come to me and they're, they're promising athletes but they get they don't not only drop out of ironman they drop out of travel altogether go like this is too hard but they don't understand that you don't have to be doing a five-hour bike if you're doing a sprint triathlon. You can go out in it with your mates and on a Saturday, and that's loads of loads of time prepare for a sprint triathlon. And you might just like sprint triathlons. Um, and there's I don't buy into the bravado of the you know you're you're an Ironman, and I've always find it funny that you're triathletes. Oh, what Ironman have you done? Well, hang on, I've also done a load of cool sprint distance. I've done, run a lot of marathons. I've done half. Like there's loads to it, um, it's and again that's back to it being the community. It's and and you know yourself, Jamie, is and like the, some of my best mates are in athletes and running. It's just because we're we're outward, we're full of energy. You know, we're get up and go type people, and they're the type of people you want to surround yourself with. Absolutely, yeah, and absolutely, and I think like you were saying about you know sprints. I mean, sprints get like this bad sort of press almost that you know it's nothing, but if you do a sprint fast. You know, that's that's a horrific experience in itself, or it can be, you know, painful at least in a very different way. Um, and I quite like that myself. You know, I like the intensity of it and the kind of getting it done fast, perhaps more than doing really long stuff, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I always have the same experience. And again, it's, uh, you know, in a sprint and you're running, you're running a 5K and chasing down the guy in front, you go, oh my God. I wish there's an Ironman. I wouldn't have to go this fast. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think I think we're coming up to. Well, we've just gone over an hour, so I think we probably should wrap it up. And just before we do, Steve, like, do you want to tell people where they can find you if they're not already following you, where you are, like social media, website, all that business? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I hope you did enjoy the podcast and took away some nuggets and info. Um, myself and uh, Jamie enjoyed it. So to find me, um, my website is www.smartendurancesolutions.com. Um, I'm on Insta as sm underscore endurance underscore solutions. I'm on Facebook as well. If you have any questions or queries, the e- best email address is info at smartendurancesolutions.com. And again, if you want to sign up to the website and I'll go onto the website, there's a, a newsletter where I give out more of my musings and looks on life. Jamie, where's the best to find you, pal? Yeah, so my, my website is uh, nutritry.com. If you just type that in Google or it's www.nutri-try.com. Um, and then on social media, I'm, I'm known as the triathlon nutrition coach. So t- check that out. Um, I should probably say as well that like me and Steve are going to, do one of these like a month um we're going to try and have like a focus to each podcast um so this was obviously the goal same one but as part of the podcast we'll be taking people's questions so if you've got any questions at any time um you've got steve's email mine's info at nutritry.com or you can just get it off my website um or, or send us a message on social media and we'll have some questions and we'll we'll, we'll try our best to answer them in the next uh, in the next show absolutely um Yep, no, that's all from me. Thanks very much for hosting, Jamie, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yep, cheers. Cheers, Steve. Cheers. See you now.